Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Raw Knowledge Podcast. Real conversations, raw knowledge with even more talented people. And it's been an interesting start to this podcast. Zoom, well, it's had some upgrades. I don't know if it's upgrades or some sidesteps, but it's interesting. Um, I've got with me this morning the uh, the wonderful and wise Steve Taylor. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me on. Mate, pleasure. We've we've got all the mics. We've got about four, haven't we, at the minute? Two each. <laughs> so um, you, you guys should be getting some phenomenal audio by the time this comes out. But yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Zoom has decided to do some different things. Nonetheless, we're here. Steve, tell the people where you are, uh, what time zone you're in, where you reside in the world. I always think it's good to build a bit of a picture. So I am uh, in Kansas City, Missouri. It's basically right in the middle of the United States. And I'm on the central time zone. So, yep, basically just right in the, in the Midwest, uh, cornfields and cows and that area. Sounds like good setting for a horror movie. I'm thinking Signs. <laughs> yes, which is a great movie. It is, it's one of my favorite alien movies. I think it's one of the most believable, actually, to be fair. Um, are you guys coming into summer now, actually? Yes, yep, basically just starting it. There you go. So here in Australia, what we, well, in the Gold Coast, what we can call winter, it's still, it was this morning, it was, we had a low of 14 degrees. I know that's terrible. A lot of people will be like, that's not even winter, but it's cold to us. Anyway, Steve, let's start off as we always do uh, and tell the people, I know some of the listeners will be familiar because they are a fan uh, you know, of Muscle 3D, uh, 3DMJ, I should say, 3D Muscle Journey, and a couple of other guests of which you're probably in collaboration with. But tell us who you are, what you do, and more importantly, why you do it. So I am a registered dietitian. I have a master's degree in nutrition, exercise, physiology, and dietetics. And my practice is solely focused on helping people develop sustainable habits. Um, and I do that basically through focusing on three areas, what we eat, how we move, and then how we think. It's probably the simplest, shortest elevator pitch I can give. Mate, that's brilliant. I was just going to say that's concise. Did you have that prepared beforehand? That was just to the point. I, I did not, but I think I've used that before. I'm pretty sure that's like basically what's on my website. So it just like fell out. It's like that, isn't it? They always say, though, you should uh, know when someone says, what do you do? You should always have a very good verbiage. Like you obviously don't want to have it to be something that's not cognizant, but it should be something that's a little bit different, but it really in a lay term explains not your title, but it's like, this is what I do for people. So, and I love the sustainability audience know that's something that's going to resonate with me greatly. And that's what I want to talk about today. And it doesn't necessarily have to just be in the, the realms of nutrition, but before we do dive into some more, you know, specific or pointy ended questions, what was the protagonist that led you into this field or this area? Was there any events? Was it something that you always wanted to do? Was it a friend that inspired you? Perhaps talk us through that first. Uh, the first thing that got me into just this whole space was for uh, high school sports. So back going into freshman year. So I think around 14, I started lifting weights to get better at sports and then basically started falling more in love with weights than I did with sports. And so I, I stopped playing American football, started lifting full time. And then basically I started thinking about, okay, well, what's going to help me perform better in the gym. I started studying nutrition, basically just started snowballing from there. <clears throat> went on to get my undergrad in uh, nutritional sciences and then on to get my master's. Um, 
and then from there it was like, well, uh, this information is cool. It's helped me out a lot. Uh, maybe I should turn this into a business and, and share it with other people um, because it has such an impact on my life. And that's kind of where uh, it evolved. Yeah. It's um, you mentioned, uh, is it NFL American football? Is that right? Yep. Yeah. I imagine like with, with what I've heard from my friends overseas, that's generally something that goes hand in hand with the weights seems to be what has inspired a lot of people. And I've also noticed a lot of people going, well, actually I really like this weights thing and it could be due to injury or perhaps they just go, Oh, you know what? This is a way I can still lift and look good. And I don't have to get hurt. And it's amazing how sometimes you can change that trajectory. Now you've competed, um, quite a few times, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you've done, mm. is it physique sports? Um, have you done any powerlifting as well? Or is it just sort of more in the physique arena? Just on the physique side of stuff. Okay, fair I, enough. I competed in three different seasons. I think it was 2012, 2015, and 2016. And then basically at the, that's, that's 2015, 2016 is when I was working on my master's. And during that time, I thought I wanted to work with solely like getting people ready for competitions and meets and photo shoots and things like that. Uh, started my practice that way, but then just slowly over time, I started to fall more in love with developing sustainable habits and like that aspect versus just prepping somebody for, for a specific event. So it kind of like, that's kind of how my, my own journey and then my practice evolved kind of hand in hand with that. Yeah. Well, that's a really salient point there, Steve. I like that a lot. Um, resonates with me because I was in the same, I guess, or a similar boat where I thought I was going to be doing more athletes from a physique standpoint, you know, looking performance. And I, I still love that. And I still work with some of those athletes, but what I've found is I've uh, fell into a role, which is actually teaching people um, more sustainability, like taking the lifestyle aspect as a whole and looking at, you know, if we were to break it down into a trifecta of training, nutrition, and lifestyle, looking at how those areas complement each other, but how they affect each other. And then also giving people tools and helping them sustain behaviors and habits over time. So it's, well, you know, we don't just have to look great for stage, but we can actually look good all year, but we don't have to be completely shredded and we can do it without any, you know, psychological adversity, eating disorders, you know, um, energy deficiencies and, and the like. So I think, you know, I'd love to talk more about that. Perhaps we can talk through some of the complementing skill sets. So for example, you know, we look at a physique athlete and we go, right, we need precision. We need motivation. You know, we need drive. We've got to be on the money. However, and I always say, I use this verbiage where we live in the real world, right? And the real world is very unpredictable. And I don't like to use the word general population because I don't think anyone is general. I think we're all individual. But let's say, for example, we've got Mary. Mary's got three kids. She's got a bad back. She doesn't know how to track her nutrition. And you know she can only get the gym three days a week. Now, that client is going to be quite common. A lot of people go, oh, yeah, I've got a client similar like that. Sometimes we think as practitioners, we come straight out of school qualifications and we get all these clients and they're just going to be like hitting the macros and hitting their training and it doesn't work like that, right? So perhaps talk us through like your initial experience, if you have any to share along these lines where you went, okay, I thought I was going to do the physique stuff and, and you did, but then maybe moving towards individuals which didn't have 
necessarily the performance goals, but they wanted to implement something which, you know, is going to be a reoccurring theme here, which is sustainable. And um, I guess that that transition between that and what are those some of those skills look like, and then we can sort of go through and unpack it a little bit more specifically. I would say just kind of, I guess we'll say shifting uh, the clientele like that, population like that. Typically, some of the, the first people that I, that I worked with um, who are from that, that physique, uh, natural bodybuilding, natural powerlifting community, they already have a very strong skill set in terms of like they know how to track and like they understand all that to the T where it's like once I started working with people who didn't come from that background, it's like you said, they didn't have, they, they'd never tracked before, never really paid attention to it. So I basically just had to adjust my systems to, to account for that. Uh, so basically what I like to do with everyone, like when, when we start off with, I would say not everyone, but let's say 95% of people, uh, unless they have some reason why we shouldn't be doing that, um, is starting off with a period of tracking. So I just feel like, and I'm sure you've, you've noticed this as well with your clients, like just the process of tracking itself just teaches us so much about food. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause it's like, until we like closely study like calories and nutrition, we don't nothing really means anything like we can look at a menu and we see okay this thing is 1200 calories but like we don't know what that means for us it's just generally 1200 calories but we don't know okay is that like 50 percent of my day's calories is that 20 percent of my day's calories is that 90 percent? so it's like just that process of tracking and kind of lets the person figure out okay if i want to maintain my weight or lose weight this is where my daily calories need to be so i love that uh and i also love just like through that tracking process if somebody doesn't uh, hasn't really studied food that closely. It just it provides like a, I don't know, it, it's a simple way to like help them get used to looking at their food. And they, they learn a lot about food just through tracking without having to like read a bunch of random stuff or this or that. It's like, hey, just track and just through the process of tracking, you'll learn a bunch about different foods. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'll stop there. But that's, that's basically where I like to start is like with anyone, unless they have a reason why we shouldn't, is just starting with a period of tracking just so they can learn a lot about food and about their body's needs hmm. i'm going to and an ask a um a question that has a few threads on it which kind of relate to that which i think is important it's going to play devil devil's advocate here a little bit for the listeners um so i love the fact that you mentioned the awareness and i think that's great a lot of people think oh we're tracking for tracking it's like no 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 you actually become aware of what's in food, right? You get this sort of calibration where, like you said, you had nothing before to compare it to. And now it's, okay, this is kind of what I'm aiming for in a daily energy intake. So now this does have some, you know, numerical significance or, oh, wow, I, I didn't realize this food was high in fat or low in protein or whatever it is. And it just creates that initial kind of, you know, segue into being able to get closer to the body composition goals or whatever it might be, health goals. Well, have you uh, experienced uh, any pushback from a client? So for example, where they go, oh yeah, I don't really want to track. Well, they might not verbally say that, but they just don't do it. And we've got to kind of unpack, well, why are they not tracking? And is there any other mediums and tools you will implement when that happens? So for example, it might be going back to some basics and go, hey, look, I just want you to have X amount of meals a day. I want the protein servings to be this size and we might use palmfuls or whatever it is, keeping it really simple. Um, and if so, how do you then transition that person to doing a, what we, what we might call like a food diary or a seven day recall? Um, I'll leave it there, but there is another element to that. Cause I want to sort of talk about, I know it, 
if you do a lot of work online, I believe, like how you would then do that with an online versus an in-person client and what that might look like. Because I just, as you, I really want to get into the grainy details in this one because I know that these all these little gray areas are where it falls apart, right? We kind of know the big overarching themes, but I think this stuff is the really important stuff that we actually come in contact with as practitioners and then go, oh yeah, actually, what's the step in between the steps? Does that make sense? Yep. Uh, so I guess to reiterate, yeah, if you do get any pushback, uh, what does that look and sound like? And if you do have to take a, another step back or break it down even further, again, what what does that look like for you? And maybe there's uh, other skills that we're overlooking here or I'm overlooking. In, term, in terms of pushback, um, basically, like before I start anyone like into my program, we do like a like an initial phone call just to talk things through. And like during that phone call, just kind of ask them, Hey, where's your motivation at, you know, to do just in a very general, Hey, where's your motivation at to like do this stuff. Um, So typically if the person's not super motivated, we typically wouldn't even get rolling. We would wait until they're ready to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Then from there, if they're, if they're, if they're motivated and wanting to do it, they might say things like, you know, I don't necessarily want to track, but I know that it's going to be helpful for me to do so. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the pushback might be in that sense. It's not like, Hey, I refuse to track or like this or that. It's kind of like, I, I don't necessarily, I'm not looking forward to it, but I know it's a, it's a part of the process. I know it'll help me in the long run. So yeah, I, I, uh, when it comes to starting with someone, if, if somebody's not to the place where they want to do that, um, I just question how motivated they really are. Cause it's not like it's a massive thing they have to do. And there's other, like you said, there's other ways we could do it. Um, but I've just found they're not quite as effective as like just tracking. Mm. To, and, I guess to kind of like, sorry to butt in there, Steve. Um, if, uh, if you were to say, you know, okay, this person is, is not, is not going to, we, we, they're motivated, but they can't track. Is there a category of person that, and this is probably a few people that fall into this. Say, for example, someone has an eating disorder, like anorexia nervosa or something like that. Is that when you would go, okay, maybe now we're just using some, because we, you know, you might not want to, I don't know. Again, this is maybe not within my scope, but, um, you know, okay, well, we don't want to kind of entice or increase that because maybe they're going to look at it and go, fuck, I have to keep reducing or increasing. Um, is there any sort of client uh, that falls into that bracket where you go, okay, we, we don't track with this person until they have this level, um, you know, of, I guess, uh, I get psychology or, or recovery, and then we can get them into tracking or is it, no, 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 we can always um, influence or, or be able to introduce tracking to someone as long as they, you know, uh, want to do it. So that would be the population where like five minutes ago, I like hesitated like 95% because that would be the 5% where it's like, right. I would not force tracking upon them basically in that situation. The, and it's like this with everyone, like just getting clear, like what are our, what are our outcomes? What are we after? And mm-hmm. then from there, what's going to be the best, me- the best, best method to get there. Um, and typically like a lot of people who, who have struggled with, with uh, disordered eating behaviors, uh, they've tried different things. And so they know what works best for them, what things cause them more anxiety. Um, so I lean heavily on their own experience in those situations. Like, Hey, like, you know, yourself, like we know our goal is to gain weight. So we know we have to make that outcome happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to do that in a way that's going to be the least anxiety inducing and the way that's, that's you know going to be 
most effective. And so that's where it's like, we might do something else. We might not track, we might do so many meals per day or like whatever that ends up looking like, but that would be a great example of like not forcing tracking onto someone. Perfect. Yeah. I just kind of wanted to like identify if there was a population where it's like, okay, no, no, for you, this is fair enough. We need to have another strategy, but um, okay. So I guess diving back in then, uh, you know, we, we've got someone tracking or, or we, we start off with a food diary. Um, now you mentioned, and again, we'll, we'll put the links, uh, you know, in the description below to, to some of the resources um, that you've done, which are phenomenal. When you are working with someone one-on-one versus online, what are the differences when you are looking at tracking? Do you usually send them these video resources if someone is online? Uh, can you generally just communicate that to them? And, you know, what um, mediums uh, are you prescribing? Obviously, most people will be familiar with MyFitnessPal. Is there any others that you found useful? Uh, is that the main one? Uh, and then perhaps, yeah, any other resources that you find helpful for the in-person versus the online client. And, and if there is, there might not be any differences, Steve. Again, I'm just playing devil's advocate here for the listeners because I want to kind of, I don't want to miss any of these little bits to, to a degree. Yeah, those are, those are great questions. Um, so basically, there's, a, there's a, a, a video on 3D Muscle Journey's YouTube page. It's how to track your, I think it's how to track macros or something, but it's, it's not necessarily how to track macros. It's how to use my fitness pal and how to track your nutrition. So basically that's the, the video that I send people is like, Hey, like here's just basics, how you get into my fitness pal, how you do these things, uh, which kind of answers your second question, which I typically at this point have just stuck with my fitness pal. It's a, it's, it's free. You don't need the premium version. Mm-hmm. It lets the person organize according to meals. So I mean, it covers all, it does all the basic things. Um, and then sometimes with also like startups, so I'll have the tutorial for how to track. I'll, I'll send them, you know, Hey, set up your, my fitness pal. And then I'll also send over some of my, uh, other resources, which are some of the things that, that, that cause people to, to eat like when they're not necessarily hungry. Um, so I might send them like that, that how to track video came as part of a course called sustainable fat loss. And like in that course, I talk about emotional eating. I talk about how we, we use food as a vehicle to change the way we feel if we're bored or lonely or stressed. So sometimes along with that initial tracking video, I'll say, hey, you know, go ahead and give this a, a review just to start looking at the material. Nothing you have to do right now, um, but just you can start looking at this stuff and see if anything resonates with you when you watch this. And then the other thing, kind of all part of the onboarding process is like, hey, like as we get started, um, I want you to because like when I started tracking, it was almost like blind tracking. Like I really didn't pay that much attention to food. I was just solely focused on the numbers. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I didn't get the most useful information for long-term sustainability. I got really good at like memorizing the macros of a meal, mm-hmm. but I was so zoomed in and granular that I, I missed things. So like, I'll tell people at the beginning, like, Hey, like just know that like this tracking period is like training wheels. Like you're just going to be doing this for a few months or six months or however long it is. And then we're going to start moving away from it. So it's like starts like studying foods and just looking a little more like bird's eye view of like, okay, what a, what a portion size is and like what, what 30 grams of protein from chicken looks like and all that stuff. So I'll just kind of load people with all that up front. It's like, Hey, this is a temporary phase we're going through to learn. And like, as you go through it, I want you to study food because knowing that you're not going to have, you're not going to be micromanaging your nutrition like this forever. Yeah. No, I love that. I think that's um, really valuable 
And that's, again, what gets people within the ballpark. And I love the analogy of training wheels. It's something that I like to use as well, like stabilizers on a bike. I'm like, it's not forever. Um, before we sort of get towards the end of that journey, you know, and we talk about moving away from tracking and, and, you know, the nuances that come with that. So I'm a client. My name's Alex. We've gone through that initial process. I'm tracking my food on my fitness pal. We're touching base once a week, maybe bi-weekly. I'm not sure how you would run it um, with, with your athletes, depending on the level of uh, who you're working with. But what are some of the things then that we're, we're looking at or how you're coaching in regards to what you're seeing and the feedback you're giving the client from what they're tracking, for example, to share or we'll start off very similar or like get people to do a, a diary recall. I'll say, hey, look, if possible, my fitness pal, send them a resource so they know how to use it. A lot of people are familiar, as you know now, Steve, because it seems to be an up and coming thing. A lot of people are more aware about the nutrition than ever, especially with COVID, you know, eating at home, being more sedentary. People are more adept to, hey, you know what? I really need to look after my my physical health, therefore looking after my mental health. So, you know, they're, they're tracking it or, you know, I might say, hey, look, if it's you can't do that initially, take some pictures of your food mm-hmm. so we can kind of see what you're eating, uh, break it down or, or even go completely old school pen and paper, right? But so I'm doing that. And then I'm looking initially at, so I will generally touch base with someone weekly and then going, okay, well, because people often, and I don't know if you get this, we'll just digress slightly. Go, give me a meal plan. It's like, okay, right. <laughs> just give me a meal plan. Now I think we should talk about this because again, this is a tool. Um, but when used wisely, it's a very great tool. It's a good structure. But I think uh, in the early days, if you just give someone a meal plan, you're not really teaching them anything. Uh, and, you know, it's actually providing more restriction because they might go, well, shit, if I don't eat everything on this meal plan, then, you know, like I'm, I'm failing, right? So maybe talk about when you would implement a meal plan versus not. And then the pros and cons about that, I guess, before we digress into the specifics, if possible, please, Steve. Yep. Uh, so basically, and this kind of leads back to like starting, like how I start people with tracking is like the first thing I have people do is just track. Mm-hmm. So I don't have them alter their eating patterns at all, but it's like, Hey, basically just keep eating the way you've been eating the last six months, but just track it. Uh, so that's the way I started. And then I might assign fruits and veggie targets, maybe a protein target from there, but I still haven't altered when they eat their meals or how they space things out. It's just like, Hey, I just want you to keep eating the way you have been mm-hmm. eat more fruits and veggies and just track it. Yeah. Uh, then from there, once, once they've just gotten more comfortable with tracking, like my whole process is just like, it's just slow like that, like slowly changing things. Uh, from there, I might walk people through like building a flexible eating routine uh, and a resource we can link. Uh, Eric wrote a, a really good book called a uh, blog called the default diet, mm-hmm. which is basically instead of writing, like you said, a specific meal plan with, Hey, these specific foods at these specific times, it's basically just like, Hey, like, here's just generally like a good time for breakfast. Like based on like, I'll go through their day. Hey, when do you wake up? Like, when do you like to eat breakfast? When do you start work? When do you like to eat lunch? When do you, and I'll just walk through based on all of their preferences. And then based on like, if I see a huge gap, like I typically like try to get it to where people aren't eating, like aren't going longer than five hours without eating. Mm-hmm. And now there's anything magical about that. It's just, I found that like that five hour line is kind of like after that people tend to overeat. If somebody goes six, seven hours without eating, and then they sit down to have a meal, it ends up being a lot of food. So basically, if I don't see that the person's having something to eat within every five hours, I might make a suggestion for throwing, you know, hey, this might be a good time to plug this thing in there. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that's, that's basically how I do it. It's like, Hey, let's look at your actual life. And just like, Hey, when do you like to eat, build it that way. And then I might give a couple of suggestions, like, so they don't go too long without eating. Um, I might help them plug in like, Hey, uh, I like people to put all, like build all of their main meals around protein, fruits, and veggies. So I might be like, okay, like we know that your daily goals are two fruits a day and four veggies a day. So maybe with breakfast, like it doesn't matter what your fruit is, but just get a fruit in with breakfast. And then with mm-hmm. lunch, get another fruit in and get two veggies in. And then with dinner, get two veggies in. Like I might do stuff like that. So it's like this flexible, like, Hey, here's, here's a way you can space out your protein, your fruits and your veggies. Uh, but it's like very flexible. It's like, it's not like a banana at this time, an apple at this time. It's like, Hey, just a serving of fruit here, a serving of fruit there. And then also letting them know at, at any point you can tear this up. Like this is just one way to paint the wall. You can paint the wall any way, as long as by the end of the day, you painted the wall. So in this example, it's like, as long as you get your two fruits and four veggies in, like by the end of the day, you're good. This is just one way you can do it. But if one morning you wake up late and you have to skip breakfast, it's no big deal. Uh, Just have that other fruit later on in the day as a snack or something like, Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of like helping them build that routine, but then also letting them know that it's just one way they can do it and they can tear it up anytime. Mm. Yeah, it's, I think that's really valuable, Steve, having, you know, those basic structures. A lot of the coaches that I work with as well will often ask me, you know, Alex, how in the early days when you're working with a client, like, you know, they need some structure, but you can't give them too much, right? They're like, how, how does it work? Like, how does, and this is kind of what we're talking about today, which I think is, is really valuable, Steve. It's again, the, the gray areas between like, oh yeah, we, we track and then we don't track, but like, there's a lot that happens in between that. And how do we kind of, you know, work and navigate around that process where the, the, the default diet again, or having that basic, Hey, look, it's a good, it's a good idea to eat x amount of times a day to get x amount of protein or you know we want exactly the fruit and veggie target where people go i have um like a i call mine a fearless fundamentals after my business where i have like here's all the frequently asked questions here's the bare bone basics on everything training and nutrition you know it's like hydration meal timing warm-up cool down this like little like i've condensed it as much as possible because we don't want to overwhelm people, but like having these basic guidelines gives someone a little bit of a step to go, okay, cool. Like I got some, and obviously you're always going to get people who maybe read a little bit more or go a little bit further with it, but then you're not sort of saying, I use the analogy of like a field, right? I'm like, we need some fences, but if the fences are, oh man, they're really small. You can have no space to run around. But if like we make these fences like really huge and you've got all of this acreage, maybe it's going to be a bit too overwhelming initially because, you know, you don't really know where the limits are and you're going to kind of veer off, you know, into the field, into a pond or something. So it's always like finding that happy medium and then obviously like tailoring it to the client. Um, and I guess now we, we talk about, so, you know, we've, we've, we've got that basic structure. You've sent those resources out. And again, we'll, we'll link those because they're super valuable. And then, you've got this approach where again, sustainability. And I think the art to sustainability is making these small incremental achievable changes. And I think setting the expectation, probably something we should talk about really, really important for the client. Cause sometimes client comes on board and goes, Oh, cool. So you're just going to give me a meal plan. I'm going to get like diced in 12 weeks. And it's like, well, we could do that. 
Um, but that's not going to be sustainable because what happens after the 12 weeks, like you've, you've used a templated system and now yeah. you don't understand hunger cues. You don't understand quantity quality. It's, it's kind of all over the show. And we see this all the time. Or I see this all the time with challenges, um, like six week, 12 week challenges. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes they're great because they get people started. But I often find, I see people, um, they just return to normal or if not worse after these challenges. And then they sort of sign up for the next one and it's this constant yo-yo. And then, then they become the yo-yo dieters. And now we've created another eating disorder <laughs> uh, mildly. And um, it's such a shame. So I think by going, Hey, look, this might take a bit longer doing it with these methodologies, um, but it's going to be much more sustainable in the long run. And you can maintain the look that you want, obviously not stage lean, but you know, a really healthy body composition, but you can now go ahead and you don't have to kind of go through that initial process again. You know, like we can, we can get you to a level where, okay, cool. We're on this level and now we can go, right. What's the goal? Is it more performance or, you know, is it, is it more aesthetics or depending on that? So I guess these small changes that you're making weekly when you're having conversations to a client, what, what does that look like uh, online versus in person might be the same. And what are you looking at? For example, is it, Oh, I see this person's not having any protein with breakfast. Their daily proteins low. Are we going to add in a, you know, something like that? Like what's the next steps, I guess, building on from, you know, what, what we've just talked about that initial sort of awareness or recall phase. So, and this will actually tie back to some of the stuff where you started uh, with that uh, statement and then how it evolved into a question was like, at the beginning, it's just uh, like setting clarity on like, what are our, what are our outcomes versus like, what are our methods? Hmm. So it's like, you know, like, Hey, your, your outcomes are two fruits a day, four veggies a day, X grams of protein per day, whatever. Um, and then, cause I use a lot of like trial and error. Like, like you said, like, I don't want to give somebody too much structure because then it's like, there's no flexibility in that. But at the same time, you said, if there's no structure, then it's just a lot of decision-making and like, like there are some like fundamentals that help like eating, you know, three to five times a day is like just a solid recommendation, you know, spreading your protein, you know, spreading your fruits and veggies out. Like I can give people those guidelines. Uh, but from there, I just use a lot of trial and error. Like if I don't give people a ton of structure, uh, like they'll learn for themselves. Like if, if, if they wait until 9 PM to eat two fruits and four veggies and 150 grams of protein, they're going to feel horrible and they're never going to do it again. Yeah. So it's like, so it's like, I try to give people the guidance, but at the same time, I'm, I'm always like, you know, I'm, I'm more of a facilitator as well. Like here's the program that you go through, but like, I'm not going to be nagging you or I'm not going to, it's not going to be a ton of structure. Cause it's like, you going to want this to evolve to fit your personality and your lifestyle. So it's like, I'm going to give you some guidance. I'm like, Hey, this is a way that works for a lot of people. Uh, but like, I'm not going to force anything. And so then if they, this, then they have the freedom to try other things. And then, like I said, maybe it ends up like, oh, I shouldn't eat, you know, that much spinach at 10 PM. Like I kind of felt terrible. Uh, so I like that. Cause it's like, they learn in real time through the process and like, oh, that's why I spread it out versus this and that. Um, uh, you said another thing in there as well, but I'm, I'm blanking on that. And then your final question basically was like, okay, how do I, what's the evolution look like in terms of how things evolve? Yeah. So I guess the, uh, I don't know how frequently you would check in with, with your clients, but you know, what are you doing between before we get to the, the process of moving away from tracking? How are we, I guess, refining? So if we use, you know, say I'm, I'm the client again, and I've come back to you and I've got my 
my tracking, my food diary. And you might go, oh, I see some gaps here and we sort of bridging those over time. I imagine that's going to be most of it. But is there any other, I guess, steps in between that? And what do you look for with a client in terms of, I guess, markers before you go, okay, we're going to move away from tracking now? Um, you know, let's say, I guess you would have introduced at this point and maybe it is we're skipping skeps here, or I'm skipping steps um, where you go, okay, well, now we're working to calories. Now we're working to protein, fats, carbs, fiber, et cetera. Maybe that's kind of the next thing, but I could be wrong, Steve. I don't know how you run it. Okay. So, so yeah, so basically there's that period where, Hey, it's just track, don't change anything. And then like they'll get fruit targets, veggie targets, protein target, calorie targets. Those are mm -hmm. kind of my four things. Because mm -hmm. back to like the very thing you said a long time ago, uh, when I moved from, let's say physique athletes to, to non-competitors, it was like, we don't need to be tracking fat and carbs. We can just track calories and make sure we get enough protein and fruits and veggies and we'll be good. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are like my four targets. Uh, the evolution. So there's a few things that happen along the way at the beginning I am like together, we are like, they'll use my fitness pal. And the reason I use that is just, it's, it's like you said, versus like pen and paper or whatever is because this way we both have access to it. Um, I'm sure, I mean, I could have them send over pictures, but it's like this way it's online. We both have access. So it's like during our, our weekly consultations at the beginning, we'll just both be in my fitness pal. And because I know that thing is a mess uh, and there's a lot, there's a, it's confusing. If you've never been in my fitness pal and you just start, it's overwhelming. It so is. I will just, it's a mess. So it's like, I'll help like make sure that, that the things they're tracking and stuff looks accurate. Yeah. Um, this way, if it doesn't like we can go through that process together. Um, so this way they're developing like realistic frames of references for things to make sure they're not, to make sure their tracking is, is, is based is, is pretty dang accurate of reality. So we'll do that. We'll go through and make sure stuff is looking accurate. Uh, the other thing is, is as early as I can, I like to run like periods of not tracking. So even though let's say at the beginning, let's say it's a six month tracking process, I might, as soon as I can, like, Hey, only track five days per week. Don't track two days per week. So this way they can start to get exposure to not tracking as early as possible. This mm -hmm. way, when we totally transition away, they're already used to it. Uh, so that just depends on the person. It's kind of like, again, going back to our outcomes, like, Hey, our goal is to lose like one to two pounds a week, for example. And let's say they're hitting within that range and they're doing it only tracking five days a week. Well, that's good. Like we don't need to track more because you're hitting our outcomes. Mm -hmm. But like, if we notice that they're not losing that and they're only tracking five days, well, maybe we need to track a couple extra days to help with adherence and accountability. Um, so, but, but like I said, basically it's just like getting people used to not tracking early on at least a little bit this way, like on holidays and things like that. Um, this one, we moved away completely. They're already used to it. Mm. Um, and then through just through that whole uh, process as well is helping them to form that structure uh, in their day. So, cause I know me, like when I was, when I was tracking, I didn't necessarily have a ton of structure or at least structure that I thought about. Cause I was only as, it was like, as long as I eat this much protein, this much fat and this much carbs by the end of the day, I'm good. Um, but with that, it was like, I didn't have the best structure cause I was so focused on those numbers mm. that I didn't really have any habits that, that led me to those things without having to study them very closely. Mm. So it's like with, mm. with my clients, it's like, okay, how can we get your fruit, veggie, protein, and calorie targets in a way similar to like what's in that, that blog that will link by Eric, which is like, Hey, I eat breakfast around this time. It's around this much 
calories, around this much protein, around this much fruit and veggies, same with lunch, same with dinner. So I'll help them like get that routine set up. This way, as we move away from tracking, they already have a routine. And so now all it is is, hey, you just keep your routine that you spend all that time building and you just kind of slowly move away from tracking. Because it's like, like what I always tell them is like, you know, the tracking doesn't necessarily matter at all. The tracking is just telling us what's happening in reality. Mm. But as long as like reality is still happening, it doesn't matter whether we write it down or not. So basically let's build that structure and then let's just slowly get away from needing to write down that structure, even though you're still doing it in real life, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, it does. Um, the, there's something that was going through my mind then when, when you were talking is, uh, let's say you've got someone who, you know, has a, has an intention to become a competitor or they, they sort of verbalize that to you when you onboard them and say, Hey, look, I maybe I, I wouldn't mind competing in the future. So say uh, that is the case with it, with a particular client. Are there any uh, specific markers or outcomes that you'd want to see with that client or that you speak to them about before we go, Hey, well, for example, before we, you know, move into that, because as we know, when we're, we're looking at physique competitors, there's not really a lot of room for error. I mean, you, you can definitely have a more flexible approach, but I think that's a more advanced skill in itself. Um, but in the early days, it's, you know, the precision is a lot higher uh, and we are really tracking macro. So is there a prerequisite? to that uh steve when when you're working with the client say hey look well once we sort of get to this level of nutrition literacy or adherence and whatever it might be then we can go okay well let's you know let's maybe run a mini cut first or or then we you know can obviously let's say they're in a, a position where they've got enough muscle that they are going to compete but are uh, yeah are there any things that you like to see before that is an option and then obviously we can sort of look we'll say that's the left turn and maybe the right turn is moving away from tracking and you know it's it's not a physique goal uh, it might just be, you know, more of a sustainability thing. So a, a lot of the people that, that come to me have, have tried to, and have actually lost weight in the past multiple times. They've, they're right. They've lost, regain, lost, regain, lost, regain. So oh, it's like the yo-yo diet, right? Well, unintentionally, but yeah, it's like yeah. they weren't, yeah, they just, if they've, they've tried different methods and those methods just didn't work or they didn't fix some underlying behaviors or the underlying psychology or whatever it was, but something, something was not allowing things to stick. And so the reason they reach out is like, Hey, I want to like reset my new baseline. Like, right. I don't want to have to keep losing and regaining. I just want a baseline. Makes sense. Uh, so, so if, if somebody reaches out and they have a, a decent amount of weight to lose and they've, they've struggled with losing, regaining, losing, regaining. I mean, it's, it's, it's their lives. So they can do what they want to do. But my, my recommendation is just like, Hey, like what I would suggest is just losing the weight, like the good chunk of weight that you want to lose, like get to where you're within, you know, as, as lean as, as, as you can be and maintain that as it can be easily maintained hmm. and live that for a while, yes. like just lose, lose the 50, 60, 70 pounds, live that for a while like a year or long or whatever it is, like just live that for a while, get used to maintaining, reset your baseline. Mm-hmm. And during that time, you know, lift weights, train hard, focus on building muscle. And then once you kind of reset, like really what your normal is, mm-hmm. then go ahead and dive into like a, a contest prep or something mm-hmm. um, versus like losing the weight. And then immediately being like, you know, within a month or two, now I'm going to do this very aggressive cut. Yeah. Because then that can lead to now they regain all the weight they lost in the first place because they never got that middle ground of just like living and maintaining for like 
not just a few months, but like a year, like a while to really reset that. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I like that a lot. I think um, people are just too quick to kind of jump into the competitive uh, realm. But I think, again, it's a lack of awareness and education, Steve. I don't know if you'd agree there, but, you know, people are well-intentioned. Coaches might see it as an opportunity to make money, take money off people. But, you know, I think that someone has to be of a certain physical and mental capacity before you know going into if you really are going to get you know stage lean it's it's no joke um and we see it we see it all the time right how many competitors um may look on the surface uh healthy or what people would you know see desirable from social media but um in the background they are just literally switching between this binary really aggressive cutting really aggressive bulking and that's their life you know they just go through these phases and seasons if you will where if you said hey no black, no white, let's live in gray, just maintain this. Could they do it? Well, no, perhaps those skills aren't there. So yeah, I think having the best interest of the, the person you work with that heart in the long run is well and truly underrated. Um, so, so in that sense, I guess this is a nice little dovetail into then say we have someone, you know, and, and again, we can say I'm the client again, and you've got me to where, you know, my nutrition literacy is great. I've been tracking. I've lost the weight I wanted to, to lose. I'm sort of weight stable, if you will. Um, I'm maintaining a, a leaner physique. Um, I'm saying not tracking on the weekends. I'm just doing five days. What are the next steps uh, to move me away completely from, from tracking and, and what are the levels to that? So basically, let's say we finish a fat loss phase, like you said, and like, okay, we're ready to shift to maintenance. Mm-hmm. Uh, before uh, I completely move somebody away, what I like to do is figure out, so they have the information, like where their calorie intake needs to be based on their activity. So like, let's say we've had their, their daily activity high and we've had their calories low. Well, it's like basically, well, what, what amount of activity, we may have had to bring the activity up higher. I don't normally have to, to, to get the weight loss to get the fat loss off. And then we can bring it down once they shift to maintenance. Mm. So basically the first thing I'll typically do is drop the activity and then see what goes on with their body weight. And then from there, like just seeing, okay, how many calories do they need to, to be eating based on that activity that they want to maintain to, to maintain the weight, to, to stabilize their weight. Mm. Uh, and then from there, I just typically peel off like a day per week. So basically the first, like I said, first up is drop an activity. Okay. What's that do to your body weight? Okay. Now let's figure out where your calories need to be. Okay. Now let's, let's do like this week, you track five, don't track two next week, you track four, don't track three next week, track three. Don't. So basically it becomes this like five, six week process of each week. You just peel a day off like that. You do a little less tracking, a little less tracking, a little less tracking. Uh, and then depending on the person, um, it's, it's helpful. A lot of it is, is, I guess when people come to me there, a lot of times they're familiar with like kind of my style. So it's like, they know, even at the beginning on, at the very beginning, they want to be paying attention to their body signals, hmm. like their hunger and fullness signals. Uh, so like, it's, even though we haven't been like, I don't know, like when I started tracking, I didn't pay attention to that stuff at all. So it was like, when I stopped tracking, I had to like start paying attention to that stuff for the first time hmm. Or it's like in this situation, they've been paying attention to their body's feedback this whole time. So we might not have to do anything besides just peel a day off and lean into that structure they've created through their life and their habits. Uh, if there's somebody who's struggling uh, with, with identifying when they're hungry, when they're full and kind of those middle, middle, uh, middle zone, I'll send them to another, another video. Uh, it's, it's called a hunger fullness uh, scale. And basically it's a scale from one to 10 
one being you're starving, a 10 being you're stuffed and a zero being you're neither. And then there's just everything in between there. And so this way it's like, as they move away from tracking their calories, they can start to have a, a way to rate their hunger and fullness to help them get better in tune with their body's feedback. This way there's like a quantifiable, like, okay, I was like a four here and an eight there. So I'll use that hunger fullness scale um, or they'll use it to help kind of get more in tune with their hunger fullness signals. If, if they need that, if they don't need that, then they don't need it. They're, it's like, it's like just, RPE for hunger. Yep. 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 And I'll tell people like, Hey, the goal is to stay between like a three and like a seven and a half. A three is just like, you're hungry, but you're not starving. And a seven and a half is just, you're, you're full, but you're not stuffed. Mm. So, or three and an eight, eight being full. So mm. this way they can play with that scale and they can try to, to hang out within that range to keep themselves from getting too hungry so they don't overeat. And then also not getting too, too full because that's when they typically, you know, you feel bloated and uncomfortable and eating a lot. So, yeah, it's, it's tremendously interesting. The, the hunger cues and how as a sort of, I guess, race humans, we've forgot uh, to some degree how to do this or we think, <clears throat> excuse me, we forgot how to do this. We've not, it's obviously in there. It's, it's part of, um, you know, what we are as humans. But I think like you said, in the, the early, um, phases of this conversation, you talked about, you will send them a link about emotional hunger, emotional eating, things like that, like creating that awareness because it has a, it does have a large effect and even the, uh, evolution of society in general, where we look at geographically now, well, we can, you know, back in the day, we would have had to go out and hunt food and now it's there. You know, we had to do everything manually or a lot of things, manually. everything's kind of automated now, right? I'm sitting here talking to you halfway across the world on a computer with a coffee in my hand, but you know, that, you know, I would have to go out and come and have a conversation with you back in the day and make some drink myself or whatever it was. So I think, you know, explaining some of these without, you know, giving too much information to someone telling people, Hey, like, this is kind of the reason why we may need to do X, Y, and Z, because, you know, maybe back then it was just a byproduct of our environment and our lifestyle. This is why maybe we look the way we did. I mean, a great example is someone who was a higher body fat many, many centuries ago was someone who was considered wealthy and rich, right? Because they had a lot of resources yeah, it meant that they didn't obviously move a lot. So therefore they, they were of higher power or, or whatever it might be a wealth. And someone, you know, who was very skinny would be maybe seen to be a peasant because they're trying to find food all the time and shelter and warmth and all of these things. So I think kind of addressing uh, these hunger cues, uh, even from a physiological perspective of, okay, where does that come from and why has it changed? Because it is still, you know, a massive up, uprise, you know, the, the obesity levels and, and the health conditions that are constantly there. And it always strikes me quite comical how we, we have to sort of come back full circle to learn something that's kind of inbuilt in us, but being aware of it and say, Hey, to people and using, like you said, this hunger scale, Stephen going, well, you know, am I actually hungry or am I bored? Am I thirsty? Am I tired? I think tired's a big one. Um, I, I, I know for me, a lot of the time I have to sort of remind myself now, even just in terms of um, a focus or a mood state, like if I'm a little bit low, I go, ah, you know what, nine times out of 10, I just need more sleep. I'm a little bit tired and a little bit fatigued. And it's like, it masks dramatically, you know, how you feel. I think, especially in dieting, like hunger. Wow. Like 
it, it's day and night. If, if I'm on the slap, man, that hunger's through the roof. Hence why we, we see people who are on night shifts eating a lot more. Um, I want to talk about another scale, uh, which is like uh, one hedonic food scale, but also possibly more in terms of satiety where we have, say, for example, a client is now tracking and, and they're, 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 they might say, hey, Steve, like I'm, I'm really I'm really hungry or conversely, I'm really full. Do you have um, a scale or a tool where you teach them about how, for example, different food versus caloric density versus volume? So, for example, say we go like, hey, we've got white potato. You know, I'm hungry. Okay, we'll have some more white potato or maybe something that's a little bit more like, you know, vegetable nature, fibrous vegetable, et cetera versus something that might be say like a refined grain like a cereal or something like that you know what i mean who's who's like i'm really full but i i need to get the calories in do you have a way of kind of teaching that and have like a sliding scale because i've found working with clients they're surprised that potatoes are like one of the most satiating and lower calorie foods because they're like oh chips and i'm like yeah but (laughs) i thought we've got like you know the cooking method so i don't know if you have um you have those questions or if you have a tool of how to explain that, how someone can go get the same calories, but they can get like, you know, less calories per bite or more calories per bite for like a similar volume or if, you know, to manipulate that around to, to kind of um, look after hunger cues. Does that make sense? Maybe I've sort of mangled that question a little bit too much. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm tracking with you completely. Uh, and it, it, it does <clears throat> come up some, um, like if basically every week, most weeks I'll ask, Hey, how was your appetite this week? Just, Hey, were you hungry a lot? Were you not hungry a lot? Whatever. And if we notice that their appetite is creeping up, that's when we hop back into my fitness pal, start to look at their food choices. And then I can be like, Oh, okay, well, you know, we could, we could modify this, modify that. So you get more food for less calories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really get super micromanaging or granular about like having all these different paying too much attention to that. Cause like. I don't know, like what, and you know this as well, like sometimes, like even though somebody might get more volume for like somebody could make like diet cookies, right? And get like a big pile of diet cookies and still be unsatisfied. Or they could have yeah. like two real cookies and be completely satisfied. So yeah. even though the volume is way less, like that didn't actually hit, hit the spot. So mm. I try not to like be like, hey, you have to base everything off of like food volume. It's all about rising food volume. It's more of like, hey, how's your appetite? It's good. Okay. No changes. It's good. No changes. Oh, I'm getting, actually, I'm getting pretty hungry. Let me look at your fiber intake. Are you getting the recommended intake of fiber? Okay. Um, then we can start to look at stuff like that, but I don't get too, I don't get too, I don't know, granular or micromanage you with like leaning everything towards high volume foods, if that makes sense. Hmm. It's probably more of a, um, a physique athlete or a comp prep question, I think that one like i find that's more prevalent with that population or people get into that habit if they do diet where they they stay with that for a while even on a recovery or reverse diet and they forget that it's like hey like it's not all about what you can eat the most of and i i know that this is quite sort of consistent with females because they you know they're generally on lower calories they're smaller humans and they'll they're always trying to find these substitutes but like you said sometimes with you know, eating these foods that are processed and filled with sugar alcohols and all of these, you know, fillers, if you will, 
they're not hitting the spot. So it's like, well, if you could fit in a percentage of your calories from the actual food, one, it's probably going to be better for you. And like you said, it actually hits the spot rather than always trying to maximize and then spending more time in the kitchen and being food focused as well. It's probably kind of feeding, um, you know, a negative behavior in the long run. Yep. I thought it would be uh, worth worth asking as well, just because I know that can make a big difference sometimes with people. You know, it might be just that one thing like, hey, you know, you you all you know all foods aren't equal like you can sort of go well if you did want a little bit more you can just easily just swap a food out and at dinner time you know okay cool i, I, I walked a little bit more today i'm a little bit hungry cool i'm gonna choose this carb source rather than this carb source and bang um or, or vice versa yeah. you use an example later on where it's like oh shit i got a lot of calories left for the day it's like okay we might not need to eat all of them but maybe sitting down to something that's uh really high fiber it's not going to be you know, the best outcome, maybe we go with something a little bit more calorically dense. Um, yep. So we, that's we, sorry. Just to say, say, add something to that real quick. That's where it's like a lot of this just really is a part of the process and it comes down to like individuals. Hmm. So it's like on my end, like it's kind of the same thing with like, Hey, like, should I, should I drink diet soda? Should I not drink diet soda? Should I, should I eat chips? Should I not eat chips? Should I eat cookies? So it's just like, a lot of times it's just like, like, what does that do for you? Like yeah. if you, if you drink diet soda and it, and it curbs your desire for sweets, then you keep it in there. But mm -hmm. like, if you drink diet soda and it makes you want more sweets, then maybe we get rid of diet sodas. Mm -hmm. So it's like same thing with like chips. If somebody can like eat a little bit of chips and it hits the spot, cool. But if like, if I start eating chips, I have the whole bag and it's like, okay, well maybe, maybe we do, we don't need the chips, you know? So it's like, that's where I think of like my job is more of like, just kind of knowing the alternatives this way, like somebody tries something because it's, it's, it sounds like you're a similar system. You guys talk every week because yeah. we talk every week. So nothing's going to happen in seven days. So it's like, Hey, we're going to try this thing for seven days. But if you're talking about being hungry and having high cravings and all these things, we'll take a look at what you're doing. And then just based on my experience, I can say, okay, we've tried the diet sodas and having the chips in the house and stuff. Why don't we try the opposite of that? Why don't we try taking out the diet sodas and just doing more waters and, and, and maybe we do do more of like high volume foods and less. So just like, just knowing, like just running experiments. Cause like, that's the consistent thing I hear from clients is like this whole thing for them just becomes a process of like finding, okay, what, what fruits and veggies do they like? What high protein foods do they like? What it's like, they're like, Hey, along the way, I have to try a lot of stuff that I don't like. It's just a part of it. Like hmm. it's just a part of the process. I, it's just, I have to try different things. And if I don't like them, Oh, well, I'll just never eat that again. But like, it's just trial and error, finding, finding what works for you. And then once you find it, you know, then all of a sudden you got your key foods that help you hit your things and you kind of know how yourself works and you know what makes you crave things and what doesn't. Yeah. It is very much a journey of self-discovery and that kind of to underscore that, because there's probably quite a good message in what you just said there, Steve, in terms of you know, you introduce uh, sometimes the tracking to someone or we start this journey, this process and people go, oh, you know, it's, it's kind of hard or, it's, you know, maybe they're like, it's going to have to do this forever. And it's like, hey, like I always say to people, like the nutritional literacy is like reading literacy. Like when you learn to read, was it easy? No, it was probably very hard. And you had to learn how to write words and enunciate and your vocabulary grew over time. I'm like, no one just tracks and is like an expert next week. You know what I mean? But I, I don't know. I find with um, clients who are more, you know, in adulthood, um, they can sometimes be a little bit sort of like almost entitled in a way where they're like, you know, like I should, 
this should just come to me. Like I should know this or why do I have to do this? And I'm like, Hey, like, <laughs> it's like anything, like, you know, I usually use that job as an example. I'm like, when you first learned this, was it easy? I'm like, no. I'm like, right. So same thing. Like you, like the only reason I'm able to teach this is because I started from zero and I just made all these mistakes and I learned and I educated and listened and read. Like you don't need to know it. Like I know it, but there is like, it's like basic maths and English. Like you, you, you want to know how to, you know, add and subtract and divide. And you want to know how to read and enunciate. You don't have to be like a documentary Attenborough, but you know, you need this certain level in life. And then people sort of, I found that a metaphor seems to really, uh, as of the last sort of year, it really helps people. They go, ah, cool. I'm like, yeah, think about it like that. Like, remember, like it's, you're not always going to be where you are. Like it's going to get better. You are going to understand it and it's not forever. Like you're going to sort of evolve from the current skill set. And then people are sort of more like, oh yeah, okay. Like let's, yeah, let's get back in. Right. Rather than it being like, oh, when, when am I going to wake up and everything's just going to be, I'm just going to know everything or I'm just going to like understand nutrition. And I think maybe it's because people just take it for granted. Like as if it's something that you know, they should have all of this knowledge on straight away to like, well, it's just food, right? It's like, yeah, but is it like we, we eat it every day, but maybe there's more to this. So I don't know if you want to add into that, but it's something just a found. bit, it's just a really good uh, observation. Like that's a really good add on, like, cause it's like as much stuff as and you've even quoted it today, like as much stuff as I've put out on like getting away from tracking, mm. there is still massive, like we started with massive value on the tracking side of stuff. Yeah. And it's like, I've just found that like, if somebody doesn't has never gone through a phase like that, it's almost like they're always just guessing with their eyes closed. You know, it's like, well, I'm going to try not eating potatoes for a week. Okay. I'm, now I'm not going to eat corn for a week. Okay. Now, but I only had, I only had peanuts yesterday. Why didn't I lose weight? Yeah. It was just like, there's just, there's a missing piece. There's like, it doesn't all make sense. But then once they track for a little period of time, now they have all these frames of reference for total calorie intakes and how it's not just one day, but we have to look at, weeks and months and like hmm. how all this stuff adds up and it's just like i don't know it just that just that tracking just takes away a lot of the 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 unknown and and it just i don't know it just it's it's i've just found it so helpful for everyone who's gone through it yeah it is it's like this initial like i'm just like it's like riding a bike i'm like guys just do your training wheels just do your hours or you're driving a car just get your learners like you gotta go through it you might not become a fully fledged racing driver but you kind of need to know the basics right like the clutch the gears the indicators the road rules and then you know you can further it if you want or you can just stay there but you need that level and like you said people just go for these big like i'm just gonna cut carbs and then you're like okay right or i'm just gonna cut sugar out or i'm just gonna low fat or ketogenic and i think that's kind of where people fall it's almost like they're about to go into the ocean and then there's this like little catchment area where like they go into this water um where it's like maybe the tides washed it away and then before it comes up to the sand and everyone's just getting caught right before the actual it's like no 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 don't just take one of these big pieces and throw it out and then you know you get these zealots online are like yep well you know, ketogenic's the way because it worked for me. It's the only way I lost weight. It's like, okay, well, that must mean it works for everyone then, right? It's like, no, you're missing a bigger principle here. You just manipulated energy balance. And like you said, by giving people these skill sets, it's allow us to remove, you know, rigidity and sort of having a binary approach or just going, well, this is the diet. It's like, no, no, no. There's many types uh, of diet and there's many ways to achieve, you know, just, uh, fat loss and muscle gain, but it's about, you as an individual so i think if you understanding those fundamentals you can kind of bridge that gap 
Steve, before we get into rapid fire questions, just a, just one or two more before we go, if you've got time, please. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, what are the biggest mistakes you see people make that, that you work with? Um, and what are some of those uh, mediums, I guess, apart from what you've already mentioned that you use to kind of bridge that gap? It might be, again, it might be people you don't work with. It might be things you see on social media, like things I've just said, cutting out big food groups. We've talked about that. Um or maybe there's other things that you observe in your space where you're like, wow, this seems to be a really common thing that people are getting wrong or, or overlooking. Uh, I would say there's a, a couple that just pop into my head. One is just, uh, especially in the beginning, like not having enough of a plan, like planning in advance for how they're going to hit certain targets, like how they're going to get their fruits and veggies that week or how they're going to get their protein that week. Um, trying to go through the week, but without having put any forethought into like, okay, well, where are these going to come from? Like, I didn't go to the groceries, you know, I, I didn't go to the grocery store and get this stuff, but somehow I think I'm magically going to hit them, even though none of it's at my house. So I'd say one is just like the lack, the lack of, of, of planning uh, is definitely, and I'm, you know, I'm the same way with stuff. It's like, I got so many things and we all do on our list that like, sometimes it's just like, man, I don't want to plan another thing. Like I'll figure it out. But then like the whole week goes by and we were like 50% in terms of hitting protein, fruits and veggies, yeah. or it's like just a little bit of planning at the beginning of the week. Then it's like, okay, we would have hit all those things. That's one. It's just like not enough forethought and planning into things. Um, that's, that's, that's actually, that's really good. Just quickly to interject because I find that's a pitfall for a lot of people. When you do get that issue with a client that you're working with, what are some of the mediums that you choose? You know, cause people go, oh, well, you know, we can go we'll meal prep and then people go, well, I don't have time and I don't want to do it. And you go, well, you know, how important is it to you? So, but then obviously we can bridge the gap. Now we've got all these meal prep services um, or you can even buy the food delivered, but you still got to make it, I guess, quickly. Is there any sort of strategies you would give to people say, Hey, look, you know, from, if you're really dedicated, you can do this or, you know, cause people are often time poor, like you said, but sometimes they have this, fight or this sort of mismatch between well like they don't want to fully meal prep so i'm like you know do we get them to make more dinner and then they've got lunch for the next day like how do you maybe go about kind of bridging that gap because that's probably actually really critical we uh we didn't cover that one the, the simplest way is i just have people go through like hey what are going to be your breakfasts this week and yep. so i don't care if like they make it or if it's a meal prep service they bought but like while we're on the consult in the consultation like let's spend 10 minutes okay what are your breakfasts this week yep. what are your lunches this week what are your dinners this week yeah and like knowing that they can again toss out any time they're not stuck to that but like yep. this way they at least have a plan a and so i've just found just like literally sitting down and just going through that now when they go to the store if they're going to be cooking most of their foods they know what to buy because yes. I've just found like the way I used to shop and the way most people shop uh, before they start something like this is just like, you just go to the store and like, all right, I'm going to get some peppers and I'm going to get a loaf of bread. I'm going to get, you know, some peanut butter. And then you get home and there's no meals. There's nothing. It's just a bunch of <laughs> random foods. It's like, I got a pound of bacon and a bell pepper. Like, what am I going to do with this? You know, like, so it's like, I've just found like building the meals up front this way when they go to the store, it's like, oh, yeah. like that's, that's my breakfast here are my three options for breakfast. And maybe two of those are frozen meals. And the ones that it's like, doesn't have to be all foods they make, but they have it on paper. What are their breakfasts? What are their lunch? What are their dinners? What are their snacks? Now they have a plan. So that's, that's the easiest way I find to bridge that gap. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, um, always say to, to, to clients, um, something I've developed is I'm like, look, cause we are creatures of habit. 
you know, sometimes females are like, I need more variety. And then males are just like, I'm like, you know, you can eat, you don't just have to eat this, bro. It's like, that's really bland. You can add some, you know, but that's a generalization, but I, I, I see that, you know, men were more sort of simplistic, but um, I'll say you like have three options for breakfast, but they can include very similar ingredients. And I always say like same breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I'm like sweet, savory, quick, you know? So I might be like, cool. The sweet options like oats, berries, honey, protein powder, whatever it is. The quick one might be the same, but you blend it up you might put some peanut butter in there, whatever it is. And then savory might be some eggs on toast with avocado bang. And I always say to people like, there's so many ways to make that combination too, right? Cause people are so concerned with like variety, but then they figure out like they're eating the same thing. So a lot of the time they have these fears, which are not real. They're just in their head and then they do it. And I'm like, you're eating the same thing anyway, but yeah, it's, it's again, it's finding that line between not giving someone too many options, but giving them enough so they can go up oh, like, all right, I've got this simple structure. Like you said, I'm, I'm for thinking rather than just completely winging it in the early days. But at the same time, you know, you, you've got something in place where you're like, well, at least I have a plan. Yep. yep. Otherwise you end up, like you said, with a whole load of meat and a bell pepper and <laughs> that's uh, an epic yeah. episode in the making. <laughs> the end, end of the week rolls around. It's like, oh, I didn't eat any, you know, I didn't hit my targets, but which, which, which rolls into like back to your first question, which is like, what just I'll mention one other, I guess we'll say, yeah, go for I don't it. know, ha- habit that, that I've noticed makes a big difference. And that's reviewing your, your nutrition, your, your diet every day. So either at the end of every day or at the beginning of the next day, looking at, okay, in regards to my outcomes, my, again, in my system, it'll, it'll be different based on what system you're going through. Mine is protein, fruits, pro, oh gosh. Fruits, veggies, protein, and calories. I've said that so many times in the last hour, it's getting mixed up. Uh, but it's like at the end of every 24 hour period, like, did I hit those targets? Yeah. Just review this way. It doesn't get to the end of the week. And like you, somebody realizes that their, their fruits and veggies were low all week mm. just because they hadn't double checked it or like looked at it. Mm. But like, if we stop in like literally 30 seconds, like every, like every morning, I just like look at the previous day for like, it takes me no more than 60 seconds. I'm like, how are my, how was my protein? How was my fruit? How was my veggies? Uh, my veggies were a little low. I need to like make sure I get enough veggies today. Like just that daily review. Again, it doesn't have to be more than 60 seconds, but like that is super helpful. Yeah. I like that actually. I'm going to, I'm going to um, perhaps not steal, but utilize that one. I think, you know, I, I talk to people about just have a little look or do at least like put a day in like your template or what you normally eat because we get complacent and then, you know, we're like, yeah, we're eating that. And then you review it and you're like, oh, I'm not eating that. <laughs> and yep. then yep. there's these little gaps. So I think like you said, little and often uh, is, is, is really good and having these daily reviews. Cause as you said, it's, you know, yeah, we got, stuff going on in our life and it's busy but like hey if it's important and it is important because you got to eat right and your health's priority um just taking that time making it a habit okay you know what before i go bed or you know before i wrap up for the day before i leave the office i'm just gonna have a quick look just make sure you know i got the key things in there and if not okay what do i need to do especially if it's something where people you know they're trying to make a conscious effort and improvement uh, on it steve you said a key, key piece in there. And there's this last thing and then we could shift is like you said, when I'm leaving yeah. the office, like that's what I tell people is just find a spot in the day 
So that way it's like, it's another habit. Like at the same time, every day is when you do your, your diet review, like mine's every morning with breakfast. I look at the previous day. Some people it's like, as they're getting ready for bed, they'll think of the current day. Yes. But it's like, basically find a spot where it's now a habit in your life where every day at this time, not even necessarily time, but like breakfast, breakfast can occur a variety of times, but when I eat, my brain knows, ah, when I eat breakfast, I think about the previous day. And so I don't even have to think about reviewing the previous day because it's become such a habit. Yeah. Uh, no, I like, I like that. I think, I think it's great. You know, you, you sort of got to tie it to something in the day, right. To kind of solidify that behavior. It's like, I might pair it with something like, you know, yep. what's an anchor in the day where you're always going to be doing a certain activity or a thing, you know, it's kind of like a stretching, you know, if you was just really hard habit, you know, I get it. It's not something you want to sit down and do, but I'm like, you know, put a podcast in or uh, put some comedy on Netflix, like do something where you're like, Oh, I'm distracted. Um, I'm present enough for the activity, but I, I can kind of make the time pass starting small. And then I, it's like, okay, well, when I do this, I always do this. All oh, right, cool. And then you just automatically do, Oh yeah, I'm just sitting down before I wrap up my day. Or like you said, at breakfast, just having a review and, and it's, pretty powerful over time um yep. moving into the the rapid fire question see a bit more fun bit lighthearted in nature uh, before we move into the final question first one is if you could choose a superpower what would it be and why you can completely make one up my friend there's no rules here i think flying would be pretty cool that's the first one off the top of my head just to be able to fly around Mate, you can't go wrong with, with flying can you especially without the minute that'd be great just yep we could have done this podcast in person if that was the case <laughs> <laughs> just teleport yeah yeah oh shit i'll be back in a second i forgot the mic stamped back into uh, <laughs> um the second one is uh food related of course why not we'll have this uh, favorite meal or if i put it into a context have you had sort of one last epic meal or if you just could like have your own epic set menu for your friends that were going to come around and it was your favorite thing it could be entree um main dessert drink or or it might just be one food item i'm not sure but what would be steve's favorite foods uh a few things popped up i'm just going to go with this like a big uh burger like a big cheeseburger mm. uh, with all the, the fixings, fries, and a milkshake. I think I would just go super classic like that. Yeah. What flavor milkshake? Either uh, either chocolate or vanilla. Chocolate or vanilla. Yeah. It's, it, you know, funny uh, side note, it's amazing how well uh, chips go with milkshake. Like literally, like the salt and the sweet, it just works. Like I, I remember it was at McDonald's, it was doing this vlog a couple of months back and i was like ah, i'll dip the chips in the milkshake i've seen it done i'm damn it works man i'm like <laughs> <laughs> i'm like that's some crazy shit but like you know it's like pb and j or um, like jam and, and cheese right jam and cream cheese it, it just works man so yeah you can't go wrong with a good burger and um my my last rapid fire question would be for you, I would say, let's go with uh, what, why it is um, COVID, uh, you know, or why it's sort of been on and travel's not been, you know, uh, an ability. Where would you wake up anywhere in the world tomorrow if that was a possibility? Uh, potentially in the Sahara Desert. Okay. All right. Okay. This is different. Why? It'd just be cool to be out there with basically... I'd want to be like out like with nothing and just to be able to look up at the stars. Right. And just 
like total darkness and just see nothing but millions of stars. Are you, yeah. you, are you in quite a built-up area then, Steve? I, well, I, so I, I'm in middle, in middle uh, United States now, but I lived in Los Angeles, which is I'm sure massive, oh, massive fuck, city. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was there for four years. And before that, I was in Sacramento, which is another big city in California. So I've been in big cities for years. And so it's like, I think maybe that's why that's in there. It's like now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I just want to like, you know, be on a, on a mountain uh, with like my, my core homies and, and stuff and hang out. So for sure. uh, you, you, Kansas would be pretty, like you said, you, you have some open space there, wouldn't you? Definitely. Be pretty yeah. good. But um, yeah, man, Sahara Desert, you don't get much more isolated than that, I guess, with just open space. A couple of camels as well, you know, just a, a couple of supplies, nice little tent there and uh couple of cheeseburgers and they'd be right mate right and that's so great like what <laughs> just fly life. there and back it's done <laughs> i got my night planned so i'm doing tonight that's it that's it brother um and, and my last uh, question which is uh, the question i ask all my guests uh is could could you or can you please identify a fear that you've had in your life could be current uh, could have been something in the past that you've had what it was and how you overcame it, what you learned from this said fear, or maybe it's something that you're still working through. Uh, probably just like most people like public speaking. Mm. So even like stuff like this, I used to get super nervous for. Yeah. Like for my first started doing podcasts, like was it five years ago, maybe like super nervous for them. Uh, I still get like nervous to some degree, Yeah. but I think the biggest thing that's helped is just doing it more and more and like i mean the thing everyone says you just do it more and you get more comfortable with it i think that's that's helped a lot and just like having a you know a few that times that like maybe it didn't go awesome you're like you know what i lived like yeah i'm better for it and i like the uh the the downstream effect of it it was like i found like once i started tackling like higher fears all the littler fears below it become easy because it's like i did this thing which scared the hell out of me so it like all this little stuff just got way easier. So I love that of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, uh, it's a great fear that a lot of people have and, uh, yeah, it's desensitization. It's like anything you just get better. Like did what we've been talking about today, you just, you got to do it. That's the only way you get better. Everything's hard before it's easy. Right. And then the more you do it, refine it and practice it, it just becomes second nature. So I can definitely resonate, especially in the early days of podcasting, even someone who loves a chat, as my audience knows. Um, it is, it's, you're a little bit fearful, but it's good because it usually means that you, if you get nervous for something, it usually means you have some sort of care factor involved yep. with it, especially in, in this space, which is really good for what we do. Steve, thank you for being so generous with your time. I really appreciate it. For, for people out there who want a little bit more, they want to follow along, they want to check out some of these resources, which we'll, we'll link below for, for all the listeners and the watchers, guys. Um, where's the best place to connect with you, Steve, and the, the best work or whatever you think might be relevant for the listeners and watchers today? So website is just stevetaylorrd.com. Instagram, at stevetaylorrd. Uh, same thing with YouTube. And then in terms of work, uh, checking out the 3D Muscle Journeys vault in that, which is just a collection of these online video courses. And in that, in the, the 3DMJ vault, I have two courses in there. One's called Sustainable Fat Loss. That one's completely free. It's four chapters. It's got the chapter on how to track. It's got the chapter on emotion management. It's got the chapter about kind of beginning with the end in mind. Um, 
so check check that out. Uh, and then the other ch- uh, course in there is on trans- transitioning away from tracking. And that's where if you're somebody who has been tracking for a long time and you're just sick of tracking or you just want to give it a go, uh, it's a process. And it's, it's a course that Eric and I made. Eric starts off talking about the science of, 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 of uh, the concepts that I will then be, uh, I basically present on after that, the process for how to move away from tracking. Yeah. Yeah. No phenomenal stuff. Uh, and again, I'll put all those links in the description and highly recommend them as someone who has, um, you know, been following along for many years and consume most of those resources. They're really great, especially for people coming in. I find that they're really um, easy to grasp and they're very well presented and people can absorb and apply them really easily, which I think is key, especially in the common theme today, which has been, you know, the sustainability. So uh, Steve, thank you once again. I really appreciate that. Guys, for everyone listening, thank you for tuning in as ever. If you are on iTunes, Spotify, Twitch, any of the auditory platforms, please leave a rating and a review. Most of you listen on iTunes and Spotify. It's really easy if you just click in and scroll down as long as you're not driving and it's safe. Leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you think of the channel, what you thought of maybe this episode. And uh, if you've got any uh, comments or questions, drop them in the YouTube for all of you watching along there. And we can obviously perhaps derive some more information in the future if you want any more information specifically. And of course, subscribe, hit that bell icon. I've got to say it, guys, really appreciate it. A lot of uh, new followers lately. So thank you for listening in. And of course, until our next episode, in the meantime, stay fearless. (laughs) 